Well, so, so far today we have had a chance to uh, pray together and to worship. We've had a chance to look back and reflect on what God has done over the last uh, 30-some years, look around at what God is doing today. Uh, Fun stuff, good stuff, I'm very encouraged. My responsibility is to take the next 20, 25 minutes and talk about where we're headed. And uh, I hope that by now you have figured out that we're calling this next initiative REACH. The letters behind me, the video, all the people running around with the shirts that say REACH. Uh, this, is, this is based, sort of, we, we get the idea based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, where the Apostle Paul says uh, that I'm a slave to no one, but I have become a slave to everyone in order that I may reach as many as possible. And there's another verse, one of my favorite verses, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and following, where Paul says, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. I love that verse, and I sign many of my letters, press on. I I love that image of, of, of pressing ahead, of doing what you can do, of reaching forward. The Greek word that is translated press on in many translations is translated reach in other translations. And so the big idea here is that we want as a church and I want you as people to reach, to to reach for more, to reach for a deeper relationship with God and to reach out to those who don't know about Christ. And so that is what is animating this whole thing and that's what takes us forward. And, and again, my responsibility today is to talk about what that is going to look like. But before I talk about the what, I want to talk for two minutes about the why. So the question now to be asked, why do anything? Like, why risk? Why push ourselves? Why sacrifice? Why, why do any of this? I think it's a legitimate question, and, and it's one that I wrestle with from time to time, and, and it's one that sort of bubbled up for me over the last couple years. Going back to a moment, and it really was like a flash moment that happened uh, almost four years ago when I was getting loaded onto the ambulance after this freak brain injury that led to a stroke, and I'm I'm in the driveway, and I'm getting lifted onto the ambulance, and I remember thinking, and this all happens in the course of a a second, I remember thinking, uh, I don't think I'm going to die, but maybe, and I I was initially sort of overwhelmed, like, wow, I sure didn't see this coming. Like, this is like out of nowhere, and I may be about to die. And then I was sort of instantly sad, because I thought, well, I'm not ready to leave. I don't want to leave my family. I, I, I don't want to leave my, I don't want to leave Sherry. I want to watch the boys grow up and become men. And so there was a moment of sadness. And then that was followed by uh, sort of a moment of peace. Like, okay, well, uh, it's not really mine to choose. So God, you're in charge. And I realized I'm, I'm not, I'm not scared to die die, that's, that's good for me, then I get heaven, and so that'll all work. But the next thing that came to me was, wow, Woodruff, you didn't take many chances. You sort of played it safe. You didn't really risk a whole lot. 
And I have reflected back on that because that's not who I actually want to be. That's not how, how I want to think of myself. I don't want my, my tombstones to say, you know, here's Mike Woodruff. He didn't risk much. And so I've just been sort of struggling and praying and thinking about what might it look like to be a little bit more invested. And, and I believe, and I suspect many of you believe, that a life lived with God and a life lived for God is the right life to live. And that I want to be a good steward of the gifts and abilities that I've been given. Uh, I want to live in light of eternity. I want to live in light of forever. I, I believe that I'm going to live forever. And that this life is short and eternity is not. And the opportunity to make a difference now and forever is now. That opportunity is now. And so I want to be somebody who is invested in the things that are going to matter and last. Uh, I'm willing to risk for that. So if you're in that camp, if you would sort of describe yourself that way, if you would think that way, then I want to set in front of you what that might look like. So I have five points to explain reach. Number one, we're going to double down on our vision. So if you were here in the fall, I unpacked a new mission and vision. Our mission is is to help people discover life with God, and our vision is to fuel a movement that reaches people and renews communities. And when I unfolded this new vision, I said, here's what you need to know. We've tweaked the language because uh, we live in a different moment and things are changing and in the last five years the church has sort of lost home field advantage and we have to think a little bit differently about how we do what we do we have to be a little bit more missional if we're going to help people discover life with God and then we're going to help them love God serve others and reach one we have to think a little differently about how we go about doing that and I said look we've already started this you know, we've got a service on Thursday nights where, where people sit around coffee tables, and it's the same sermon, but it looks very different. And we've moved our men's ministry out of the church and into a sports bar. And, you know, there's, there's, we're having conversations about different ways we sort of take our message out and not sort of sit back and wait for others. And so I said, we've tweaked the words, but what you need to, to also hear is that it's the same message. It is the same gospel. We are calling on people to uh, invest uh, their life in Christ. We're telling people about God's gracious, merciful love for them. We're telling people about the opportunity for forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We're pointing people to Jesus. It's the same message. And furthermore, it is fundamentally the same method. Right? The, the, the church is the method and, and so while we are adjusting things, modifying some things to be more effective at this moment, it's, it's effectively the same mission and vision that we've had for 35 years. So that's the mission. That's the vision. We want to double down on that. What comes next? Well, we need some details on that. And so the second point I want to share is that we want to multiply churches. Or to be a little bit more specific, we want to multiply multiplying churches. Locally, that means three things. First of all, we want to help other churches grow. We want to help other churches thrive. 
We've been doing this for 35 years. We've been doing more of this in the recent past. We want to do even more of this. We don't talk about it a lot because it's not, it, there, there's no reason to talk about it. But thank you for some of the things that you have allowed to happen. Uh, a few years back, there was a church uh, in Lake County that was losing its occupancy permit because of damage to their roof in a storm. And we moved in and replaced the roof. Uh, in a similar manner, not that long ago, there was a church that was unable to have any of their programming go on except their worship services, nothing for kids, because their basement had been flooded and had been condemned. And we sent teams over, and we sent some money over, and we, we got them back up and running. There have been numerous things like that. When a, when a church... Uh, in Waukegan, wanted to start another church in Waukegan. We invested to help that other church get started. Uh, we, we do a lot of things in terms of resourcing churches. Because I'm now, uh, <laughs> it's painful to say, but I'm now like the old guy when it gets uh, to pastor gatherings. Uh, I get together with a lot of uh, younger pastors in the area and meet with them and try and encourage them and mentor them. And, and we occasionally say, you know, it sounds like what you need is some children's resources. So we, we're going to send that to you. Or we're going to help, we're going to send some people to help staff that program. Or we're going to send people to help you launch Alpha. Or we're going to send, we're going to send musicians to help you since we've got so, such a, such a, an abundance of wealthy or of, of talented musicians at Christ Church. We're going to send and help you get started that way. We've made investments in other ways. Sometimes I've been meeting with a pastor and I've said, you know what? Uh, I, I've seen enough to know that you are working long and hard and you're not paid enough to survive. And what I think we want to do is we, as a church, want to make an investment in you and your family. So we want to send you on vacation. Or we want to we want to send, we want, we want you to be able to go home. And a, one time it was a vacation and another time it was we want you to be able to go and, uh, and attend your mother's funeral out of, the, out of the country. And so we're going to pay for that. We've had dinners to honor them. We've, we're, we're trying to do what we can, and we want to do more to help other churches grow and thrive. We want to fuel a movement, right? It's not just about us. We want to fuel a movement that reaches people in renews communities. So locally, we want to do more of that. Secondly, we want to start three more campuses. So the Highland Park campus and the Crossroads campuses are success stories. They fully fund everything that they're going to do. We made, we made some financial investments. We sent some people. And those are now thriving congregations where there wasn't something. You heard Siler and Anson talk about the fact that, you know, it, at Highland Park now, there's a Thursday night service. We're getting ready to start a Saturday night service combining with another church. The Sunday morning service is, is filling up to the point where we're now saying, okay, we're, we got to watch this because we're going to need to start another Sunday morning service at Highland Park. So this model works, and we want to continue to lean into that, whether it's starting uh, brand new works or whether it would be partnering to restart a church again as we have done. We want to do, over the course of the next few years, we want to do three campuses. And then locally, we also want to make a a bigger investment in the work we're doing to help the poor and under-resourced, especially as it relates uh, to North Chicago. So last year, we founded a group called Renew Communities. It's a 501c3. It's it's an arm of Christ Church, and, and it exists to try and organize businesses and churches and government agencies to, to care for people in communities, especially right now, it's in North Chicago. And David Weil, who was on staff at Christ Church for 
a dozen years as the executive pastor, became the president of Renew Communities. And, and there's two major uh, foci for that group right now. One of them is the housing program. So we've been piloting this program. We've been buying houses in North Chicago for about $25,000, We've been putting another $25,000, $30,000 of materials in using volunteer labor. And then we're selling those homes with a, with a no-interest loans. And we're trying to put two missional families on each block so they're going to love and care and protect each other and they're going to love and care and serve their neighbors. And, and so we've got a housing ministry going that we've been piloting for three years and we're now ready to pour some gasoline on that and to step that program up. There's a jobs initiative program that a, a number of businessmen and women at Christ Church are involved in, whether it's mentoring businesses, whether it's helping bring jobs into the area, whether it's helping high school students get jobs. We're trying to, we're trying to be part of a long-term um, body of Christ. We're trying to bring hope. We're trying to, we're trying to be who we believe we've been called to be. And so locally, we've got those ideas that we want, uh, to, that we want to, to move forward with. Globally, we want to do the same kind of thing. It's all sort of church-centric. So we want to partner with our three level one mission partners. So this is uh, in Ghana, it, it's international needs. In Turkey, it's international teams. And in India, it's, it's HBI. And we've been working with all of them for 10 years. They're doing great stuff. In, in Ghana, I remember we built a big school, and we, we brought in medical care. Uh, we brought in fresh water. We did a variety of different things uh, to sort of make that happen. And uh, we're now ready to, to start a church outside of Accra. So the, the kids that are going through the school don't stay out in that rural area. They, they head towards the big city. And so we want to start a church that is going to be attractive to them. In India, we, we're working with HBI. They've got all kinds of things. They plant hundreds of churches a year. Additionally, they've got a school. They've got an orphanage. They've got job programs. They've got microloans. They're doing all kinds of things. It's exactly the kind of ministry that we love to be involved with. We've been sending teams over there. They have a church that meets on one of their campuses. And I've preached there a couple times, and it, it's about 300 people. It's very much like sort of uh, the O1. And what we're looking to do in in India is to take that church uh, and say, okay, we want, we want to see that church double uh, and, and we want to start another campus. We want to start another church out of that church. And we want to help you do that over the course of three years. We want to be involved in sending teams and in funding to get this church up and running. And then in Istanbul, uh, where I just was a few months ago, we've been working with a group there, their team. We sent them out. Their team has gone from two to now about 25 people working in Istanbul, primarily uh, caring for Muslim refugees and seeing them come to faith in Christ. And so we helped them start a church uh, outside of Istanbul in Kayseri. We're, we're getting ready to help them start uh, to turn one of their fellowships. They've got an Afghan fellowship that is in Farsi. They've got an Arabic fellowship. They've got a Persian fellowship. They've got all these fellowships because the refugees, 2 million refugees in Istanbul, a city of, of uh, 20 million, 2 million refugees, uh, they come from all different communities and you've got to start individual, different churches to reach them. And so we've said to them, we want to come alongside you and help that get up and running. So our, our focus here. It, it, locally and globally, is on the church. Now, you could ask, why that? <laughs> like, what, why is that the plan? Well, it's the plan for a few reasons. First of all, we think we've got a focus. 
Peter Drucker famously said, if you've got $100 million to give away, the question is not what are you going to do with so much money, the question is what are you going to do with so little money? So we need to focus, and we think the church is the place to focus because, first of all, it's God's plan. Okay, the, the church wasn't the disciples' idea, it wasn't my idea, it didn't grow out of the Middle Ages. The church is Christ's idea. So there's a famous passage where, where Jesus asked the disciples who, who he is, and Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, that's exactly right, Peter. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's the first time that word is used in that way. Jesus reaches back into, into Greek philosophy and pulls out this obscure political term, ecclesia, and he says, we translate a church, and he says, I'm going to build a movement. I am going to build a group of my followers who are going to carry out my message. And they're going to go everywhere and they will prevail. Indeed, they will prevail against evil itself. And this is an, an audacious statement for Christ to make. I mean, he's, he's this obscure rabbi with a bunch of, of sort of also-rans huddled around him in the backwaters of the Roman Empire. But what he promised, he has done. The church is now the, the largest the, the, the most global, the most ethnically diverse, the most significant organization on the planet. And Jesus started it with, with nobody and no money. And it has prevailed against all forces. So the first reason we want to start, we want to focus on churches is because it's God's plan. The second reason we want to do this is because it's not just God's plan, it's a good plan, or it is a plan for good. And, and not everybody agrees with this, but I would say when churches win, when churches thrive, everyone wins. There was a study done a couple years ago at the University of um, Pennsylvania, an economist, not a Christian, an economist, looking at the impact of churches on communities. And he wrote this report, which has gotten a lot of press uh, in the last two years, in which he said, a congregation of 200 people in a community is worth $1.5 million every year to that community in terms of the good that they do. He said that 12 churches that he studied in Philadelphia were, were worth $50 million annually to the city of Philadelphia in terms of the good that it was providing. And then another study came out shortly after that that said most people have no idea how much good churches are doing, including people attending them. I suspect that as we have looked at some of the, uh, some of the things that have gone on, you have heard this morning about programs that you were not aware that you were helping happen. I'll just say this. I'm not aware of all the things that are going on. And, and it's not just the formal things that are going on. That's the informal things as well. So I, I am thrilled. I believe when the local church thrives, it, it, is, it is an organization. It is a source of good unlike any other. I would go so far as to say that, that if the church doesn't act like the church and the church doesn't move forward, right, that, that no one else can. And by the way, I realize, I, I said we lost home court advantage. Uh, things have changed in the last five to ten years. We're not being persecuted. That's not a bad thing. The sky isn't falling. The light will shine brighter in the darkness. 
And so I, I believe that the local church is the way forward. And the third reason that I want to say we're focusing on the church is because the church has the words of Christ. And the words of Christ are the words of eternal life. The church is not simply focused on temporal good, although it focuses on that. It's focused on eternal life. In John 6, Jesus is talking to the crowd, and uh, as is often the case, when the crowds got really big, Jesus would talk about the fact that he wasn't a fan of fans. right? He wanted followers. He wanted disciples. And when he did this, the numbers would drop off. And then he would, uh, he would go along for a while, and, and as he did more miracles, as he healed people, as he, as he multiplied food, whatever he was doing, the crowds would grow again until he had his, hey, uh, I'm not particularly interested in having casual followers. This is what it looks like to follow me. And when he would do this, when he would say, I'm not a fan of fans, the numbers would drop off. And there was a point where everybody was walking away, and Jesus turns to, to the disciples, and he says, what about you? Are you sticking around? And Peter, again, it's all, generally it's always Peter. Peter comes along and says, well, where, where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Not having a church in an area is not like not having a theater. It's like not having fresh water. Right? Communities need healthy, growing vibrant churches. Now, there are other reasons that we could go into. I think, I think it's worth noting that the, the single most effective way to see people who don't know God come to faith in Christ is to start new churches or new campuses. And that one of the most effective ways to help Christians grow and move out is to start new works because it forces them to get involved and to love and to serve and to share and to give and to pray like they haven't been loving and serving and giving and sharing and praying before. And additionally, it's worth noting, the church will win, right? God prevails. And so this is an investment that is going to pay on into eternity. So I occasionally hear people whine that they didn't buy, you know, they, they wish that they would have bought certain stock, McDonald's in the 60s or Walmart in the 70s or Microsoft in the 80s or Starbucks in the 90s or Google uh, the, 10 years after that. And, and get that? Yes, we all wish we would have bought those stocks when they, were, when they weren't worth much. But I want to say this. Stop thinking about the next... 30 years and start thinking about the next 30,000 years. Right? We're going to live forever. Those are not the returns that you're most interested in. Life is short. Eternity is not. The opportunity to make a difference is today. Well, I could go on talking about the church, but let me move to main point number three. So the first point is we're doubling down on our mission. The second point is we're doing this through multiplying churches. Point number three is that we're going to track three things. We're going to track, first of all, baptism. So the first part of our mission is to reach people, right? We want to, we want to reach people in renewed communities. Reaching people means we want to see people that are far from God come to faith in Christ. So we want to reach people. And how do we count that? Well, we count that by looking at people who are baptized. It's, it's not a perfect metric. Uh, some people who are baptized maybe haven't actually made a decision for Christ. 
Some people will make a decision for Christ, may not get baptized. Some people who get baptized may have made a decision for Christ a long time ago. But we think it's the best metric. It sort of shows someone who's taking a next step with Christ. And so we want to count baptisms. Last year we had just over 100 baptisms. In the last uh, four years we've had 350 baptisms. And our goal, and, and you know, this isn't like uh, a, a sales quota. Don't get too wrapped up in this. But we're going to track this to figure out if we're actually doing what we want to do. Our goal over the next three years is to see 500 people get baptized. The second thing that we want to measure is uh, serving hours. So the second part of our mission is to renew communities. Uh, Very hard to measure that. We looked at lots of different metrics and we said, well, let's track, let's do a leading indicator. Let's track something that we can control. Let's track serving hours. So just to be clear, these are serving hours that go outside of the walls of the church. We have lots of tens of thousands of hours that get volunteered to the church when you count, you know, Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and, and you look at elders and deacons and greeters and, and ushers and musicians and, and all the people that are serving to make a, a service possible. There's, there's thousands of hours every, uh, every year. We're measuring hours outside the walls of the church. We're measuring people that are tutoring through North Chicago Community Partners. We're measuring people that are helping the homeless through pads. We're measuring people that, that, are, that are getting involved with Matthew Homes to help build homes uh, in North Chicago. We're looking at those kinds of hours that get directed outside of the church. And over the last uh, few years, that number has been going up. This number that you're seeing on the screen does not reflect those uh, global hours. We're going to start counting global hours because we, we're hoping, we're, we're mobilizing to see people get involved with the global work that we want to do. And we want to see that go up. And so the second thing that we want to measure is uh, volunteer hours. The third thing we're going to measure are campuses or churches that we help get started. And so I've said we want to do three over the course of the next few years, three Christ Church campuses. We also want to help another church get something launched. We may be doing that already with this new service targeting second-generation Hispanics, mostly living in Highwood, that we're partnering with another church to help get going. And we want to help our global partners start churches. And so uh, these are the three things that we're going to be focused on. Now, point number four, we need everyone to be involved. So the first overarching goal of REACH is that people who call Christ Church home take a step forward in their walk and relationship with Christ. So this is a discipleship initiative. This is an opportunity to push all of us to lean in and, and to, to, to find ways to love and serve, to love God, serve others, and reach out. That, that, is, that is the first thing. And so we're hoping that 100% of the people who call Christ Church their church are going to reach in some way. The second thing that we need to happen to make this happen is over the next two years, we need to raise $19 million. Now, let me back up for just a second and say, $12 million of that is the annual operating budget of Christ Church at three campuses. So if we did nothing, we would expect to raise $12 million. So right now our budget is about $5.6 million. It's been going up over the last 10 years at about 4 or 5% a year as we grow. So we would expect that next year's budget would be $5.8 million, and the year after that would be $6.1 million. So that, you put those together, you get $12 million. 
we're looking to raise $7 million beyond the operating budget and to do that over the course of the next two years. So a couple things about this. First of all, it's doable. Um, just by looking at the math, it's doable. Now, this makes me nervous because uh, if God doesn't show up, then we fail. If, if we don't reach after reach, it's not going to happen. But if you back up 12 years ago, when we had a Step of Faith campaign, it was the last campaign we did, and we were at the Lake Forest campus, we were expanding the lobby, we were putting in the balcony, we were building the fourth parish house, expanding the parking lot. That had a price tag of, of uh, just over $7 million. The church was much smaller then. We had a budget of, of about $2.3 million, and we raised that uh, we raised in that campaign, we raised $6.7 million. So when we had a $2.3 million budget, we raised $6.7 million. Uh, we now have a $5.6 million budget, and we're trying to raise $7 million. So it's, it's a doable number. We're going to combine everything together, so it sounds like $19 million over two years. That's what we need to raise. Second thing I want to say is some of you have never given to Christ Church, and uh, you need to, and we need you to. So you need to because that's not really the way it works. Uh, it really is more blessed to give than to receive. And we are called upon to be generous as God is generous. We are called upon to live below our means and to sacrifice for the advancement of God's kingdom. And, and so I want to say to you, everybody wins when you give, starting with you. You need to give. And if we're going to make this, then we need you to step up. Some of you have been faithfully supporting Christ Church for decades. Thank you. We're asking you uh, to step up and give more. Sherry and I are all in on this. We're stepping up to give more than we give. Uh, I am excited about this campaign. And the last thing I'll say about the money is, please understand, uh, this isn't the real hurdle. Okay, so I mean, we could we could raise twenty million dollars. We can't buy fueling a movement that reaches people in renews communities. This is not a money thing primarily, and so we need everyone stepping in. I was having a conversation a couple days ago with somebody, and and we were talking about reach, and they said, uh, "What if you're after my money?" And I said. Uh, well, not really. Uh, first of all, it's not your money. It's God's money. Uh, everything everywhere belongs to God. He has not relinquished rights. We are temporarily stewards of his resources, expected to use his resources in ways that, that reflect his vision and values. So I'm not after your money. Uh, and secondly, I said, you wish I was only after your money. <laughs> I said, I'm after you. I said, this is, this is after, I am after your time, I'm after your heart, I'm after your passions. The money will follow. So I want you to hear that um, money is not the biggest issue. Point number five. Point number one, we're doubling down on our mission. Point number two, we're focused on churches. Point number three, we're tracking three things. Point number four, we need everybody in. Point number five, we can do this. Uh, it's a bold plan. If God doesn't show up, we fail. But um, I am too old to make small plans. Right? 
Uh, I want to live as somebody who believes I'm going to live forever and that I have an opportunity now to be a good steward of the gifts and abilities, the time, the talent, the resources that God has entrusted to me. I want to live today in light of the fact that life is short, eternity is not, and the opportunity to make a difference is today. So take it from a guy who's too old to be a stuntman and probably way too old to even be a stunt coordinator. I think that's what that means. I'm not going to jump out of the window, but I'll tell you how to jump out of the window. Uh, Life is short, eternity is not, and the opportunity to make a difference is now. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of REACH. In the months ahead, we're going to be unpacking all of this and explaining and answering questions. I'm sure you got lots of questions. We'll, we'll get to all of that. I have two requests today. The first request is that you would step in. So in two weeks, we got two more weeks of the Minor Prophet series. In two weeks, we kick off REACH. I'm going to be preaching out of Genesis 12 through 18 and there will be explanations, sort of the, the sermon is looking at Abraham, who arguably has the biggest reach of any person outside of Christ. We're going we're gonna to look at, we're going to be looking at that, and there's some ancillary things that will be going on. I, I want you to show up for that. I want you to prioritize that as much as you can. Secondly, I need you to pray. So I need you to pray for the church, to pray for our direction, to pray for our faithfulness. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for the people you want to see come to faith. This is, this is the first step, right? We're going to have to pray. So um, in, in the, this afternoon, you can go online. You can sign up. We've got a 20-day prayer initiative that's going to lead up to REACH. On Wednesday morning, you get our, our Wednesday email. There's an opportunity there to sign up for that as well. So... Look, I am excited about this. Uh, it, we've been working on this in one sense for three or four years. We've been really particularly focused in the last 18 months, certainly in the last six months. Uh, I'm excited, as I said, to read you in. I'm occasionally scared. I'm occasionally overwhelmed. Uh, that's not a bad thing because it, it forces me to pray. So uh, I'm ready to risk. I'm ready to reach. I hope you are as well. May the Lord God Almighty bless us on this step 